Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. It was a couple of years ago when we first uh, met this gentleman. He was at a, um, it was like a, uh, a meeting, a town hall. Not a town hall. One of these, one of these uh, meetings with the with the other uh, with the people showing up for the for the council, the city council. I think that's what it was. Smith, do we have the the clip for that? Do we have the clip for it? Okay, let's play that. Let's play the clip. Let's play the whole clip. So I had intended to get up here and talk about how racist Robert E. Lee was, but I'm gonna talk about you, Connie, sitting over there shopping while we talking about Robert E. Lee. This is a picture of you shopping while we talking about racism and history in this country. Only white members of this board got up while we were up here talking too, because you don't give a damn, and it's clear. But I'm gonna tell you what the slaves, my ancestors said about Robert E. Lee, since you don't know history, sister. Let me tell you that they said when he got the plantation, after he got off the field where 27,000 people died at Gettysburg, Connie, Robert E. Lee was a brutal slave master. Not only did when he whooped the slaves, he said, lay it on them hard. After he said, lay it on them hard, he said, put Brian on them, sort of burn them. That's what Robert E. Lee did. And you set your arrogant self in here and sit on that shopping while the pain and the hurt of the people of this community is on display. Because you don't give a damn and you should resign. You should have resigned two years ago when you choked a white man in his house. You should have resigned two weeks ago when you got on TV and said foolishness. And you should walk out of here and resign and never come back because you are the example of racism in this community. You are horrible. Not to the rest of the board. You have an obligation to the people of this community. And 81% of them are black. And do you need a Klan rally outside, Mr. Godet, before you end it? Because holding it up means that you put that building in jeopardy. You do, sir. Because all over the country, they're burning stuff down. And black folks in this city have stood with protesters. I ain't seen you elected officials out there with them, making sure that nothing goes south in Baton Rouge. It's been folks in this community who give a damn, not just when it's comfortable, but every time. And four years ago, we came down here. Mr. Drake, they say you're a good man. Be a good man. Black folks say you're a good man. White folks say you're a good man. Your legacy is attached to tonight, brother. Your legacy. Now, let me say to the black members of the board, it's the most solidarity I've seen out of y'all in forever. Let's keep that. Let's stand on this moving forward because we don't need to apologize for Connie, Evelyn. Oh, that is Gary Chambers Jr. This was back in June 2020. It was at a school board meeting in Louisiana, a Louisiana school board meeting, and Connie Bernard is who he was talking. Did she resign? Let me welcome to the show the great Gary Chambers. Hi. Yes. Hey. Man, listen. Better for seeing you. Come on. When this came out, I reached out immediately. (laughs) Like, you need to come on the show. And let me just, first of all, Thank you, because you didn't just do what you did, which we should all go and challenge power, the people that we put into office. But you now have decided that you are going to run for office. Enough of the nonsense, right? Talk about the decision to run for the Senate. And also, did Connie Bernard resign after you eviscerated her in public? Connie did not resign uh, because bigotry uh, ignores reason. Uh, But... There's an election in November where we're going to send her home one way or another. Uh, and so uh, I thank you all for having me here. I appreciate it. That was a warm welcome. 
uh, where people play the whole thing, right? Uh, but uh, we are in this race because much like Connie, we have a U.S. Senator in John Kennedy who completely disregards um, millions of people in the state of Louisiana. Uh, our state ranks number 50 in the nation. Uh, we rank number 50 in crime, 49 in opportunity, 46 uh, in healthcare, 48 in education, 49 in environmental quality, 47 in infrastructure. Uh, we are the first and the worst. And so uh, when we look at where we are as a state, uh, we need better leadership. We need new ideas. We need a diverse economy, uh, one that people, no matter what your background or your zip code, that you can prosper in this state and live out your wildest dreams. Oh, wow. The first and the worst. Woo. So Louisiana, Gary Chambers is here. Um, your campaign, your, your first video for your campaign, you're sitting down in a chair. And then you lighten up and you're talking about cannabis, marijuana, and how black people are disproportionately criminalized and incarcerated as you are taking a puff of what looks like a giant blunt. So Shelly Bell, <laughs> Tech Maven was on the show yesterday and she wanted to come back, but I told her I would ask her question for her. Ask him, was that real weed? Was it real, Gary Chambers? Because you went Absolutely. viral. It was absolutely, absolutely. ain't no ain't no fronting over here. We don't do that. Mm. What was the what was the impetus to do that? To walk us through you like, all right, I'm running for the Senate. What campaign? What what should the campaign video look like? Whose decision was that? And how did it come about? So the final decision was mine. Uh, our comms team came to us with a script. Uh, the script was. Uh, what you heard, uh, we never amended the script from the original script that was written. Um, and I was sitting with my media director in my living room, actually, and we were going back and forth about uh, the video. This isn't the first time I smoked on camera. I did this last May when I went to California. Um, and we knew that it would give us the ability to create a conversation. Um, and we wanted to cut through the noise. You know, we announced the first week. Uh, of, well, January 11th, we announced uh, that we were running and uh, everybody was talking about voting rights. And so how do you make people pay attention to Louisiana, right? How do you get people uh, to recognize the disparities that still exist in this state? Uh, and so Erwin, my videographer, he came up with the complete concept of what the video should look like. Uh, that was on a Friday. We shot the video on Saturday. And we were ready on Sunday uh, with the cut of it. And we dropped it on Tuesday because, of course, we couldn't drop it on King Day. The reaction. I'm sorry, Ty. The reaction. What? What? Any backlash? No. Tell us about uh, the backlash. Come on now. Some backlash. So, had to be so some backlash. honestly, we thought that there would be some. Uh, and the night before, I called my videographer, my media director. I was like, Erwin, uh, are we sure we should do this? You know? Uh, because I thought that there would be much more criticism than there was. And, you know, there, there are people who are uh, not pro-cannabis, right? But I think the overwhelming majority of people in this country are now of the belief that this should not be illegal. And certainly, even if you don't believe in legalization, you don't think that people should be criminally punished for it, right? Um, and so because it was not a gimmicky ad, because we weren't making light of smoking, uh, because we took a very serious tone with the message that we conveyed. I think that that resonated with people and even people who are not necessarily pro-cannabis people. Okay. 
Mr. Chambers, Senator to be Mr. Chambers. Um, I want to know because you know it's it's hard to run for office. We hear about the money that goes into campaign financing. How do you get your support to do this? Is it all just grassroots, or did some backers come in to help you with that? So I'm proud to say we're a grassroots campaign uh, that is mostly powered by small dollar contributions. Uh, we've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars at this point. We're proud of that. Um, and we're on a quest, though, because we're running against someone with $10 million in the bank, uh, that we have a long way to go from where we need to be. Uh, but this cannabis conversation has really opened us up to a whole industry of people uh, who now want to have the support of a U.S. senator who's going to go to D.C. and actually be an advocate for them uh, as a person who not only talks about using cannabis, but is openly willing to use cannabis and use that that uh, pulpit of, of sorts, right, to leverage the conversation around how we move towards federally de-scaling, de, uh, declassifying cannabis. I'm sorry, I'm saying the wrong word, but uh, making sure descheduling, descheduling cannabis on a federal level so that it can be legalized uh, nation, nationwide. And these laws that are archaic, that are still jailing people for simple possession uh, of cannabis, while people in California are literally growing football fields full of cannabis, right? Uh, and making millions of dollars off of it. Um, and we met with black cannabis co company owners as well as white cannabis company owners who are very supportive uh, of the work that we're doing. And we're working to, to galvanize that industry. I'm, I'm, this is not, a, a, I'm not trying to promote this, but I would think that also there would be potential support for you from the uh, cigarette companies because there's definitely talk that if it ever becomes legal, they're going to be the first people who get in it because they already have the distribution in place. Well, they haven't reached out to us at this point, but I think that companies that want to be in uh, the legal cannabis business are certainly people that we are having conversations with. Um, and, and just believe that this is an industry that often uh, is stigmatized, but has the capacity to revolutionize the tax base of many states uh, because of the revenue that comes in and the potential to be able to fix bridges and roads and schools uh, and take those resources to do the things that are meaningful in our communities. Yeah, when I was down in Mississippi last year, I learned that all of the, all of the cannabis that is used in research in all of the labs in the country is grown in the state of Mississippi, but they can't smoke it in Mississippi, but that's where they grow it. In Louisiana, the, the only legal growers of cannabis are Louisiana State University and Southern University funded by our tax dollars through programs to do research. Uh, and then that medicinal marijuana is given to, I think it's only a few pharmacies in our state and it's upcharged to where people are paying outrageous prices for uh, what is a medicinal benefit to them. Mm. Eight, six, six, so how eight, can we help you? Oh, sorry, go ahead. How can we help you? How can we help you? Can we have a fundraiser in New York City for you? Absolutely. I am coming to New York next week, as a matter of fact. Uh, I'll be in New York on the 9th and 10th. Um, and we're excited about getting around the country. We just came back from California. Uh, people can go to chambersforlouisiana.com and make a contribution. Uh, there's an email fundraising at chambersforlouisiana.com where if folks are interested in hosting fundraisers, uh, especially in this first quarter when we have the latitude to kind of travel and share our message 
Uh, and the real deal is this is a very winnable race. We have a Democrat as the governor of Louisiana already, the only state in the Deep South with a Democrat that is mostly powered by an immensely powerful Black vote in this state. Uh, black folks make up 35% of the state of Louisiana. Uh, brown folks make up 5%, so that's a 40% Black and Brown state, the second Blackest state in America. Um, and, and we have not had a Black person elected in this state statewide since 1873. Um, and that is because they understand the power of transformation. And this picture that you see behind me is actually the first black elected officials in the state of Louisiana. In the center of that is Oscar Dunn, a man who was elected lieutenant governor in the 1870s, uh, the first black lieutenant governor of this state. And PBS Pinchback is on there, who becomes the first black governor in the history of this country. And let me tell you, all of these men these were elected right after they were freed or emancipated. Some of them were already freedmen and they don't want us to see these images because that's the power of what our ancestors mm -hmm. did and the power of this moment in this race uh, that if we galvanize enough support that you're gonna get to send uh, a real black Senator that's gonna go to DC and fight for the causes that are just and equitable and fair and be unapologetic about it. Uh, Gary, Gary Chambers, also with that image, Birth of a Nation, D.W. Griffith tried to depict those men during Reconstruction as men that would come to Congress without their shoes on eating fried chicken. But that oh. image behind you shows some dignified men uh, looking into the camera with all of the force and fierceness that they actually had. We have to tell the narrative. We have to start telling our own stories. And this is a perfect time to do it. Let me ask you this, um, Gary Chambers. Louisiana right now, Patrick Neely running against him. Uh, excuse me, Pat John uh, Neely, uh, John Neely Kennedy. John Neely Kennedy, he won in a state, he won 536,191 votes when he ran last, right? There are 3.5 million eligible voters, 536,000. He won a minuscule amount. There are more talk. than, a, come on, there are more than a million just black voters, 1.2, 1 1.3 million just black eligible voters, just black eligible voters. If every black person in Louisiana voted for Gary Chambers, you would d obliterate John Patrick, excuse me, John Neely Kennedy, obliterate him. So you have the numbers. You have the numbers. If I'm looking at the numbers, you have the numbers. His I opponent, come on. Our campaign slogan is more of us. It's real simple. There are more of us in this state who uh, are dealing with the issues that plague us in this country, whether that is uh, income inequality, whether that is access to care, uh, whatever the level of issue. And there are more of us that can show up. If a man could get elected with 536,000 votes and we think he's so damn bad and you got folks who, you know, the governor was elected with 700,000 votes, okay? 400,000 of those, 400 plus thousand of those votes were black votes, okay? So if, if, if we have already had 400,000 plus black folks show up to vote to elect a moderate white Democrat, okay, then surely we can get more of us to show up and elect one of us to go to D.C. and fight for us. Ah, so, okay. Wait, wait, wait hold on. One more thing. One more thing. One more thing, Tanya. Um, after standing up in that school board meeting and saying what you said, when was the decision to, you know, because I always often tell people, stop bitching about it and be about it. Don't complain. Get in the race. When did you decide I'm actually going to run? 
for the Senate. I'm not even going, I'm not going to do school board. I'm not going to do community, you know, uh, city council, uh, mayor. I'm going to run for the Senate. When did that decision uh, come about? So I ran for Congress last year and we had a magnificent showing uh, and it showed us the power that we could galvanize people. And the more Kennedy just talks his madness, the more I just got fed up with it and decided that, you know, uh, I talked to other black leaders around the state and asked them would they run. Uh, people who I felt were more uh, palatable to some groups of folks um, and none of those people were willing to do it. And so I'm not one who's going to uh, run away from an issue because somebody else won't do it. And I'm not going to just keep talking about it. This man is beatable, uh, but somebody has to challenge him and challenge him with the full force of truth. Um, and so we uh, made that decision at some point last year. It was was not an easy decision, uh, but a decision that I think is the right decision because uh, nobody thought five years ago that Georgia would have a black senator in Raphael Warnock, and he is a U.S. senator today. Uh, but somebody got to step up and do it for it to be possible. Yes. Yes. You brought up Georgia, and that's what I was going to say. How can we assist you with the kind of organiz organizing on the ground that they did in Georgia to make sure that we get the people out to do it? What can we do? So there are groups in this state like the Power Coalition that's ran by a sister named Ashley Shelton. They do a lot of the same work that uh, the New Georgia Project did in Georgia. Uh, people who uh, contribute to us after you get to your land, you have contribution, contribute to the Power Coalition. Uh, the work that they're going to do is going to be transformational with voter outreach. Uh, but our campaign intends to build one of the biggest grassroots movements uh, Louisiana has ever seen. Uh, in my congressional race, we got within 1,500 votes. We didn't spend uh, but $30,000 on TV advertisement, and we didn't send any direct mail. So with 750-plus votes, we'd have made it to the runoff because we know how to hit the ground. Um, and so this time, we're going to build that grassroots ground game, but also have the resources to do TV, mail, radio and all of the traditional things that you do uh, in a campaign uh, to be competitive. And so uh, we think a marriage of the two, kind of the art and the science of campaigning is what's going to deliver us victory. I know you have to run. Um, and I thank you for being here every every month. Uh, Jamie Harrison uh, from the DNC has committed to come on this show and he has and he he uh, he's stood up under the ether. So I'm grateful because I ask all of the questions. How can the DNC help you and how can we help put pressure on them to help you? Two things that we need the DNC to do uh, is one, help ensure that we are the only Democrat in this race by leaning the full power of the Democratic Party down on other Democrats. We have raised the most money already. We have built a national conversation about this race. We have proven ourselves uh, and we need the Democratic Party to have our back in that regard. The second thing is for the DNC chair to take this state seriously. Uh, to see the potential that a state of four million people is surely easier to flip than Florida. It is surely easier to flip than Wisconsin. Uh, it is surely easier to flip than uh, Arizona and some of the other places that they are looking at trying to be competitive. So if you really are about what you say you're about and uh, about the base of the party, which black folks are the base of the party, uh, this is the second blackest state in America. And if the Democratic Party is not 
putting money into Louisiana to the tune of the investment that they made in Georgia, then you're not serious. Uh, And so we need the DNC to come in with that level of commitment to take Louisiana serious. And here's the real deal. If the DNC can't flip a state with four million people, what is it really? Mm. Smiz, um, pull this and we're going to put this on loop and we're going to play it when Jamie Harrison comes in and uh, out of your mouth, out of your mouth, uh, Gary Chambers, out of your mouth, all of the smoke. Houston is three million people. Houston is three million people. Okay, so you, you have a state that's almost the size of some major cities in America that, that, that are democratic hubs. And so if the DNC is serious, right, it's Louisiana, Mississippi is it. Mm. Let's go. And, and, and here's, the, here's the reason that's so important. This single vote majority that we have in the US Senate is not enough. We need to grow the margins in the Senate. Otherwise, Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin get the ability to be the most powerful people in the, in the country by holding up the president's agenda. And I don't agree with Joe Biden on everything, but on the things that he's right on, we need to move the agenda forward and give him the vote of support so that we can help the American people. And on the things that we need to challenge him on, we need to be, be as full-throated as we are in supporting him in challenging him to move the needle forward. And so if Jamie Harrison wants the DNC to be effective, the way that I believe we do that is through the Deep South and a real financial commitment in the Black voters that are in the Deep South. Reconstruct reconstruction gary chambers i want to definitely have you back on you have an open seat at our table i want to dig more into your your background and know who you are as a person but this is a good start i appreciate you coming through today thank y'all so much yes sir uh and you can go to chambers for louisiana.com chambers for louisiana.com and you know you know what to do you know what to do Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.